All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Dropping the Gloves. Back-to-back episodes this week, Thursday, Friday. Tim's making up for being tardy on Wednesday, so we're we're going back-to-back. How are you doing? You're in Boston getting ready for your brother's wedding. Are you getting nervous for the big day for him? No, no, I'm excited. We're uh, we're going to start driving up as soon as we're done recording here, and I practiced a speech a little more this morning, and I feel good about it, so it'll be good. Did you time it? Did you time it? No, but I think it's probably closer to three or four minutes. It's not that long, but it's not supposed to be long. You haven't been at a wedding in a while. They don't do it like they used to. I was going to quote a Michael Scott saying, but I won't. Um, I think it should be five minutes, at least. We'll see. I'll see you. You're right. I haven't been to a wedding in a decade. It's been a while. What was the best hockey wedding you went to? We never went to any hockey weddings. I bounced no? around. I, I bounced around teams every single, every single season. Gosh, my my charge cord on my computer is hot. I burnt my hand there, Tim. Um, that's probably not safe. But I bounced from team to team to team. I got invited to some, but then we were always having kids, and I was like, I can't, I can't go. You know, I felt bad, so I did get invited to a bunch, but I just couldn't go. Did who who came to your wedding? Oh, I got married before I made the NHL. Oh, you did? So yeah. nobody. Yeah, I got married in college. So nobody came to my wedding. No good presents. No good stories. There's no videos like you see Brad Marchand dancing with no shirt on and Taylor Hall doing the robot and stuff like that. There's nothing like that. Nothing like that at all. I got – my wife got mad at me at our wedding because I was hanging out with my friends too much. <laughs> we were on we were on the patio smoking cigars and drinking whiskey and she's like you need to come dance i'm like okay <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i was just you know it's my day too honey but anyways yeah so the big weddings tomorrow is your brother younger or older he's younger he's two years younger oh man do you what ever you do saying? some introspection there oh man <laughs> No, oh, no, he's been no? dating Michaela for like seven years or something. It's been a long time coming. That's a long time. That's too long. They should have been married years ago. Yeah, yeah. They're they're young for their age, though. You know, they're. What they're, does that mean? They weren't they weren't ready until now. They're young for their age, so they're immature. I wouldn't. That's a strong word. More him, but not. I wouldn't say that exactly. But just just young for his age. What's the definition of immature? Young for your age. Yeah, but it has a negative connotation. You said it. You said immature. That wasn't me. Well, the definition of immature is being young for your age. No, it's not. In my eyes, it is. Okay. John Scott rule book. I'll write that down. Dictionary rule book. So he's now getting how he's 29. He's no, he's 30. I'm 32 now. Oh man, Tim! TikTok, we got to get on that. <laughs> if anyone's like listening, the, it's like the forty-year-old virgin when the guy's like, "What are you, twenty-eight, twenty-nine? He's like, "I'm 40. Oh man, you got to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get on that, Tim. Oh, that's, yeah. Anybody's listening, 
send your uh send your what, what would you want like uh just a My face DMs shot are open yeah yeah send a picture and your just resume to tim <laughs> yeah because he you know he gets he just got that dog what'd you do with your dog uh what he's at the bo- boarding place the same place that i got him trained he goes there all the time when i travel oh, you travel all the time i miss him there. man i miss him can you facetime him <laughs> I, I can call and check in or ask for pictures but i've been so busy i don't yeah i should for like three days Cut yeah but two cord. more john two more days yeah what if you never mind <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey i got a little compliment last night danielle and i went to dinner with um esther our newest arrival well i ran into another old buddy of mine matt maitland I see him every, like literally every two years I run into him. So we're not, we're close, kind of close, but close where we just run into each other. And it's like, Oh, nothing. I, I, it feels like I just saw him yesterday. Kind of one of those things, but I haven't seen him in a year and a half. And you're Hey man, podcast is doing good. You guys sound natural out there. There was, there was a nice little compliment. Friend of the show says uh, it's, it's nice to hear those things. Cause sometimes I feel like we're just spinning our wheels here, Tim. We're just doing garbage stuff. And why is anybody listening? But yes, thank you all you listeners. We appreciate it. It's always nice to get a little positive feedback. So we're doing a little roundup Friday. We're going to tie a bow on everything. We're going to, we're going to just do a potpourri of a show. Cause there's a lot to talk about. We've been doing kind of niche episodes lately talking about you know the canucks eric carlson bigger things but we we tend to just i guess not talk about the day-to-day hockey games as much as we used to it's like okay there was 10 games last night let's break it down let's see who's winning who's losing what are the standings looking like what where is everybody at this at this point in the season so we're going to do a little uh this little catch-all isn't that right tim on on the on a friday episode yeah, a ton of games last night. I watched uh, most of the Bruins game, and that was really good. And obviously, watching the highlights this morning of the other games, so there's plenty. That, there's plenty there to cover. There's a lot, and I, uh, gosh, do we start with the Devils again? Can't stop, won't win. stop winning. Yeah. All right let let's let's start with them. They won again somehow, some way. These guys cannot stop losing. What is it? Their eleventh straight win. They win in overtime. Good for them. I don't know what else to say about them. They won 11 in a row. They win in overtime. Did you catch any of this game? They beat the Leafs. The big story in this game, I think, is Matt Murray's back. He's played the last two games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's good. Is Matt Murray good now? Can we just say that we can pause the goaltender search for the Toronto Maple Leafs because Matt Murray has played pretty well his first two games. He's faced 70 shots. He stopped 65 of them. He hasn't led in any beach balls yet. Can we pause that search for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Can we just put that on the back burner? I think we can. I'm not a huge uh, believer in Matt Murray at this point in his career, but he's played pretty well, like you said. They also have Sam Sona practicing again with the team. The expectation that he'll be back you know, sometime in the next week or so. So they're back to their original two starters. Calgren will go back to you know, the, the top floor, or he'll be back in uh, – and uh, the AHL. Go to the Marlies. Yeah. Beat it. Um, Algren. Sucks. But yeah, I think, yeah, as, as as ugly or as desperate as we thought it might have looked three weeks ago, now it's pretty much back to normal. The Leafs keep rolling. All right. That position is solidified. Just just for make-believe. Matt Murray, Elias Samsonov, they come back, both of them, and they're solid goaltenders. Matt Murray reverts back to the goaltender he was winning Conn Smythe with the Pittsburgh Penguins, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. He reverts back to that form. What is the issue for the Leafs then? Do they have an issue? Is it that their defense, Jake Muzzin's out, TJ Brody's done? Does their issue become defense, or does their issue become lack of depth up front? Because we all know they have the two just high-octane lines there with Matthews and Neil Ender, Tavares and Marner, and then not much after that. Or is this set? Are the Leafs good? Are they now all of a sudden with their goaltending tandem good? They're back in the Stanley Cup contention. Are, what's their issues, Tim? What do you think? I think I don't know if they have an issue. I mean, maybe if it's defense, like you said, they have a couple of guys who are just down for the count now. But I think they're going to be fine. They're going to keep winning games. They're going to 
make the playoffs. They'll be who they have always been the last five years. I think that we won't know what the issue with this team or who they really are until we get to the playoffs. Same story as last year. Just cut that audio, repeat it next year. Yeah, I don't like them. I don't know. I came into this season on a positive note, and I was like, you know what? I I think they're going to have a good season. I don't like it anymore. It's only to like how many games into this season? 15, 16. I don't like the Leafs at all this year. I don't like the way they're playing. I don't like how their team's set up. I don't like them. I don't like anything about them. So we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. And the reason is I don't like their defense. For some reason, they got Giordano with Hall, and they bumped Jordy Ben. He's back. They put him with Morgan Riley. Then you have Sandine with Timothy Lilgren. You keep Giordano with Lilgren. They played great for the last year, year and a half. I don't know how long they've been together, but they've they've really developed together. You you got to get rid of Justin Hall. I'm sorry, Justin Hall has to go. And I'm talking real low because I don't want to <laughs> get fired up. You have to you have to you have to get rid of him. I don't see a Stanley Cup champion with Justin Hall on your team. Or at least getting the minutes that he's getting at this point for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I don't like their defense right now. And then I don't like their third and fourth line. There's parts of those lines that I really like. I like Pierre Engvall. I like him. He's a good player. Other than that, Dennis Mulgan, I don't I don't think he's a fourth line guy. I think he needs to be on the first or second line. Kale Yonkark, they Kronk, they they paid him a lot of money. I don't think he's working out. And there's, there's, they got some issues, Tim. They had to figure out. Okay, I'm going to throw one thing out there. We've spent a throw lot it. of time talking about um, the evolution of a guy like Steven Stamkos, where early in his career he was scoring 50 goals every year. I think he hit 60 once. All these these major major seasons, but the team was losing, right? And then he adjusted his game, developed it. It's not it's not the reason that they started winning cups, but he was a big part in that. In worrying less about his stat sheet, worrying more about like team performance and all that. Do you see any of that happening with Matthews now? Where I just I got it in front of me. Over the last two seasons, he had 101 game goals in 125 games, which is just unbelievable. But this year, he's only got eight and 18, but he's still over a point per game player. Do you feel like he's making a similar effort and change as what Stamkos did maybe six, seven years ago? No, no, not at all. What do you mean? He's changing his game to score less goals and he's being more impactful on different areas of the ice? Is that what you're Correct. Yeah. proposing? Tim, are you kidding me? No, not a chance. You don't think he's capable of that? Were you just setting up this as like a, a softball for me to whack at, to get like a little a sound bit for the Twitter? Is that what you're I bet, doing here? I bet if we asked some of the Toronto guys, they would probably say that's what's happening. Oh, yeah, because they have to paint it how his goal production that's dipped is because he's really focusing on his defensive end. No, 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 not a chance. The guy sucks on the defensive end, hands down. He doesn't try, he, he, nor should he try. I don't fault him for that. I've said this a long time. He's a goal scorer. He doesn't need to play defense, but he's got to put up 50 or 60. You have to have some kind of production for not trying in your own end. And when you ain't scoring and you're not trying on the D end, you're a dumpy hockey player. So, no, he's not. He's not. I'm going to transition my game and become a more well-rounded player. He didn't emphasize that in the offseason. Are you crazy? He scored 60 goals last year. You think he's going to all of a sudden turn into like some – what's the trophy that Bergeron always wins? Selkie. You think he's going to be a Selkie candidate all of a sudden? The Bergeron no. trophy. No. Okay, he, but, but He wants 70 goals. That's what he wants. He's not playing defense, Tim. He's cheating even more this year because he got 60 last year. That's asinine. That's a no, no. Uh, listen, if I asked you this question about Stamkos in 2015, you would have had the same reaction. Yeah. And then he did. Maybe. It's 2022. I think Stamkos, A, maybe had to do that because of injuries. Maybe he realized he couldn't score at will like he used to. So in order to be impactful, he had to change his game a little bit. I don't think Matthews has it in him. Mentally, he doesn't have that. In his gut, he's not changing. He's not changing. It's not like Steven Samkos is like an all-world defensive player. He just tries on the back end. All it's so easy to play defense and be a winger. It's a little bit more difficult 
when you're a centerman. That's why, like Austin Matthews, it's it's a difficult job to be a very effective centerman and score goals and also be impactful on the defensive end. You have to skate your tail off up and down the ice. You're in both corners on each zone. You're working. You're working hard. So I just don't see it in him. That's why Bergeron's such a special player. It really is. It's very, very hard to do. So I, I just don't see Austin Matthews doing it. I would say uh, one more thing on this. I've been reading the Hosa book, which is really good, by the way. Um, you guys should check it out. But the, not going to read it. <laughs> there's actually a, there's a page where he starts off about uh, Kaner and Taze. This isn't even the story I was going to tell, but just them being on the bench yelling at each other like, "Pass me the puck!" No, you pass me the puck. Just like the exact stuff you've done. Um, but Hosa did talk about basically how he didn't feel like he ever got nominated or, or chosen for the for the Selkie just because he was a winger and it's a center's award. And we talked like the last one winger to win it was Jerry Letton in like 2001. It's been all centers since then. And he kind of felt like there should be different awards for different positions. It's harder for a winger, like I just alluded to earlier, to be impactful defensively because your only job, that's why I said it was easy to be a, a winger and be responsible defensively because you go in the zone, you find your defenseman, you make sure he doesn't jump past you. And then if the other team's forwards curl up to the top of the circle, all you have to do is just pressure him down, force him down to your defenseman. That's all. It's so easy to be a defenseman or a, a, a winger playing defense in your own zone. So there's not, it's not very impactful to the game. It's just kind of you stay in your little quadrant. You make sure your D-man doesn't go crazy. Maybe it's a little more difficult now with the way the defensemen rotate and you have wingers up on the point, and it, it's kind of a fluid offensive zone sometimes for some teams. But all in all, it's very simple. And Haas, you know, he made his mark by back-checking. He made his mark by just hustling. And you could tell he was really working his tail off. But for the most part, he was just kind of you know, playing in his zone. Whereas a centerman, he's creating turnovers. He's up and down the ice. He has, you know, match. He's matching up against the other team's best offensive players night in and night out. Like Bergeron, when he lines up against the other team's centerman, he's going to be in that guy's pocket all night long. Whereas Hosa, he has to, he had to cover me some games, you know, because I would be a defenseman playing for Buffalo or Minnesota or whatever. And he would be covering me at the point. I'm like, Haas, you don't even have to be here. Like, I'm not doing anything. So it, the impact is less for a winger. So that's why the centerman win it so often because it's, gosh, imagine like lining up and be like, my job tonight is to shut down Connor McDavid. That's, that's, that's hard if you're Anzi Kopitar. You know what I mean? Tim? I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. You should read the book. Do. I'm not reading that book. It's written in uh, Slovakian, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't tell you that I learned a new language. You're amazing. You're amazing. But anyways, Austin Matthews, he'll get his 50. He's not going to be mistaken for a defensive forward ever in his career. I don't think he will ever have that Steven Stamkos moment where he's like, oh, I'm going to really be blocking shots now. Not that Stamkos does that. People like think Stamkos all of a sudden have this revelation. Oh, I'm going to – he's being infused with defensive knowledge and this and that. He just gets in the lane covers his guy, and he maybe takes a couple more hard strides back to his zone. That's all it is. It's not It's not that difficult. You just have to want to do it. I don't think Matthews wants to do it. He's been spanked in the first round how many years in a row now, and he still hasn't changed. I don't know how much more embarrassment you have to endure in order to change your game a little bit, and he hasn't done it. Like, what else? Does he have to miss the playoffs in order for him to change? They've been bounced five years in a row in the first round. What else do you need? That's one time would be enough. You know, that's what Tampa Bay did. They got swept by Columbus. And like, we got to change the way we play five times in a row, Tim. Five. I think think it's been six. (laughs) Six in embarrassing fashion when you're up three to two to the, to the Canadians. And they come back and beat you in seven, like in embarrassing fashion when you're winning in game seven by three goals and the Bruins come back and spank you. And that happened multiple times. So, there, a leopard cannot change his stripes. I've said that. I don't think Matthews changes anything. There's no way. I don't think he has it in him. There you go. All right. What else are we talking about, Tim? Unless you want to continue to beat this dead horse. 
No, no, no. Let's talk about some of the other games because we the Sharks lost last night, but Eric Carlson continues to have an incredible season. He had a goal and three assists, had his hand in all four of their goals last night. It's just incredible what he's doing, John. What, what, how long can this keep up? I'm telling you what, we said this at the beginning of this, like a weekend we, we talked about this. If Eric Carlson gets 100 points and the Sharks finish dead last in the NHL, does he win the Norris? I don't think you even have to finish dead last. So what if it was bottom five? The same conversation. And I say no. I he say is no. eight he is eight points clear of the next closest defenseman, Adam Fox. Carlson has twenty eight points right now. That's a that's a lot of wood to chop to catch him if you're Adam Fox. Especially when you're Carlson. He's got no Brent Burns breathing down his back. He's he's Staying the whole two minutes on the power play. There's no one banging the boards trying to get on the ice to get him off the ice. He is just living in la-la land. He ain't getting off the ice. Every offensive zone face-off, he's not even looking at the coach. He's jumping over the boards. He's like, I'm I'm going. I am the guy now here in San Jose. Who are you going to put Pickles out? Pickles going to get you a goal? I don't think so. I'm Eric Dam Carlson. I am the offensive juggernaut now. He has to win the Norris if he gets 100. He has to win the Norris if he's that far clear of the next defense. Don't you? I don't know. That that would be an interesting debate because right now it looks like it's going to come to that. He's going to finish with 100 points. He'll be minus 40. The Sharks will be dead last. And you have to give him the Norris. You Like, how can you not? There's only been, what, two guys who have gotten 100 points, maybe three? I don't know. That would be an interesting debate. Well, it's just like Connor McDavid. He gets the most points every single year, but he can't win the heart because everyone just expects it out of him. It, it's it's there's always that debate every single season. It's like, well, it's Connor. He's done this four years in a row. He should get better. We got to give it to somebody else. Let's give it to let's give it to Jason Roberts. He had a cute story. He scored forty goals, and you look at McDavid. He's got one hundred forty points. Like, how do you not give it to this guy every single year? You know. Because he is the best player on the planet. It's it's obvious anytime you watch him skater on the ice. It's, like, it's the McDavid Award for the next 15 years, folks. Just give it to him. Just because Austin scored 60 doesn't mean he had a better season than Connor. This is a McDavid Award. Carlson gets 100. You got to give him the award. You have to. Even if they're dead last. Yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of people would agree with you. I don't know. It's hard to pick a guy who's on a team who's that bad, calling him the, the most valuable defenseman. I don't know. Is it most valuable or, or best? Best defenseman, the, not most valuable player. Doesn't You don't have to make your team better. Okay. Then, yeah. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, I am right. I know I am. Him and Jake Gardner. Imagine if they were partners. Oh, oh man. Good luck. Good luck getting <sighs> the puck out of the back of the net, maybe. Oh, for the other team. Right, I got that. They would be they would be incredible. You know who else is incredible? Carolina Carolina Hurricanes, Tim. So there was a lot of good games last night. A lot of elite games going on. I thought this game was going to be just a fantastic back and forth game. Carolina, Colorado, a potential Stanley Cup matchup. When you look at the West and you look at the East, you're like, gosh, these two teams, they're just like they're headed for boom. Stanley Cup. What would you say if I told you the Carolina Hurricanes threw 50 pucks on the net, 50 shots, and they lose? Would you be would you call me crazy? I would. I would say you're crazy, man. I don't believe you. It's real. Carolina outshot the Colorado Avalanche 50 to 15, and the Avs win in overtime. Colorado doesn't need a good goaltender. They don't care. Front Grubauer goes. He he wins the Vesna. He goes to Seattle. Now he sucks. Darcy Kemper wins the Stanley Cup. He goes on to where is he now? He goes to Washington. He's average now. He's you know he's he's a okay goaltender. Pavel Francuzzi. He's man of the pipes now. He's winning the games for the Avalanche now. Forty eight saves, unbelievable. Colorado Avalanche. I don't know. You can't say it's their system. You just gave up 50 shots. You know, the goalie saved 48 of them. So did you catch any of this game? I did. And what's cool about this win for them is that their, their top guys didn't show up, really. McKinnon wasn't They didn't there. even show up to the rink. 
They were gone. They were watching on TV. No, but seriously, they like they, McCarr, Ranton, and those guys weren't the ones leading the charge, which is why they didn't get too many shots on net. But their goals came from Newhook, Evan Rodriguez, and then in overtime it was uh, Lakenin. And so it it was the, the the depth scoring getting the win in this game where your goalie probably stole the show for you and your and your top dogs didn't didn't perform, but the team depth is still there, which shows them why they're such a dangerous team to play against. Yeah, they got and when you have that winning mentality. You can't teach that, you know. You just won the cup. You're feeling good. You're Andrew Cogliano. Hey, you know things will work out. Things will work out. And these are the games you you, you gotta you get you get, a, you get a couple of these every single season, where your goalie steals you a game and it feels good. The next game, the guys will go and give the goalie a pat on the pads and say, "All right, we'll we'll take care of this game. We got you." But good for Colorado. What a game! Gosh, after watching this, do you take away that? Carolina is just really, really good. Like, because how do you have a good feeling out of this if you're the Avalanche at all, other than your goaltender's terrific? Because the next time you play this team, and if the shots are anywhere near this, you're losing seven to three. Like, they had no business winning this game. But I think if I'm Carolina, I'm taking the flight home. I'm like, I feel pretty good. We should have won this game. We should have waxed them. We ran into a hot goaltender. If I'm Colorado, I'm like, if I see these guys in the Stanley Cup final, I'm a little nervous because they really took us behind the woodshed and beat the doors off of us up and down the ice. You gave up 50 shots, 50, and we only got 15. That's incredible. The disparity there. I I don't know what the biggest plus minus is for shots in a game. That has to be up there. I would think a 35 shot swing, Tim. Yeah, I see. I don't know that I'm that down on the avalanche for this. It's like, okay, they clearly got outplayed. But if I'm looking at this with a positive spin for them, it's, hey, we didn't really, our top guys didn't get it done, but, but Frank Coos played well. Our depth scoring was there and we we got a win against a really good team. The teams that, that have won the cup and Tampa Bay was really good with this is like they win through their depth and they can beat you in different ways. And even when they get outplayed, they find ways to scramble and get that win sometimes in overtime and that's okay. But I, I'm not, I think it's a great win for them. I guess, you know, you build off. Of, I, I think both teams can take positives out of this game. So. Another team that was just outshot dramatically, and the team that got outshot wins the game. It just goes to show you that shots don't mean a thing. This this whole stupid Corsi thing, it came into came into light when I was in the league. Guys would be shooting the puck from everywhere just to increase their Corsi because they knew the analytics valued it. Like a guy like Kyle Chipchura, great guy, unbelievable guy, good in the faceoff zone. You, know, I'm on my line. He'd be bombing it in from center. Like shot on that, good for Corsi. Sure enough, you <laughs> check his Corsi after the game. You're like, oh, he was out on the ice for eight or nine minutes. He had like seven shots for when he only gave up two. It's good for your Corsi. So I don't I take these shots on goal with a grain of salt because who knows? I, I wish we had chances for it because uh, 51 shots on goal, how many of them actually were impactful? Maybe they were. I didn't watch this game. Capitals Blues. Blues win again. Five in a row, hottest team other than the New Jersey Devils in the NHL. They've shaken off all the rust. Tory Krug, obviously I dropped him for my fantasy team. He had a great game. But more than that, their goaltender, Grice, Thomas Grice, played fantastic. 40 saves, 47 saves, excuse me. They beat the Washington Capitals. The aforementioned, oh, he didn't even play. Darcy Kemper, he's back. He's backing up to Charlie Lindgren. But yeah, same thing. Capitals throw 51 on net. Blues only get 24, and the Capitals lose. What the hell are we doing? Why is this happening? Why, Tim? Well, uh, this is a similar reaction. It's a gutsy win for the Blues, especially when they don't even have their starter in net. But Thomas Grace has always been this guy where he's like a, probably a middle-of-the-pack goalie with, with big moments, and this is a big moment from him. And uh, the Blues, their fifth straight win, I talked about it yesterday. I think they're a legit team. I think they're going to keep winning. They obviously, you kind of lose a game here and there, but I think they're a legit contender in the West, despite their slow start. Yeah, it's not hard to be a contender in the West. Uh, here we go. What do you mean, here we go? We get you get a lot of uh, eye rolls from our listeners when you talk about how bad the Pacific Division is. How do you know they're rolling their eyes when it's through the radio? Don't lie to our viewers. Listen, we, I get I, I get just messages viewers. <laughs> daily. Yeah. In the West, pull up the standings right now. I got it. 
Tell me all the contenders right now in the West for the Stanley Cup that you could see at the end of the season lifting the Stanley Cup. Okay, Vegas. Yep. Colorado. Okay. Edmonton. Uh, St. Louis. Uh, okay. Uh, Dallas. <laughs> okay. Maybe Calgary. Oh, gosh. Okay. Six. Go to the East. How many in the East can you see lifting the Stanley Cup at the end of the season? Okay. Uh, Boston, Carolina, Toronto, Tampa, Rangers, six. Maybe Devils if you want to put them in there. So six on each. You're nuts. You're absolutely bonkers. How would you do it differently? In the West, I would go Colorado in the Central, and I would go Vegas and Calgary in the Pacific. That's it. The tenth place Calgary Flames, the exactly. seven seven and two Calgary Flames. Did you not just say the Calgary Flames as well? Yeah, but they were my. So sixth why team. you dump it on mine? They're one of they're one of three teams for you. You like yes. you like Calgary over St. Louis and Dallas and Edmonton. I just said that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Why yeah. are you asking me again? Yeah, those are the only three in the like West. Giving you an opportunity to change your mind. No, in the in the East, I could see Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Rangers, Carolina, Devils, seven. Yeah, the West sucks. I'm sorry, and I played in the West the majority of my career, so I'm not just saying that. But even the Edmonton Oilers, I saw Biz, friend of the show. I think he's been on the show. He made a comment. Everybody's oh. If the Oilers lost McDavid a dry sidle, two players, they would be the worst team in the NHL. And I fully stand behind that statement. Any other team, if you take two guys off, two top guys, they'd still be a competitive team if they're any salt worth. Like if Boston loses Marshawn and Bergeron, they're still a pretty good team. If Toronto loses Matthews and Marner, they're still they're still a pretty good team. Carolina, same thing with Aho or Svechnikov or whoever you want to take out. They're okay teams. On the West, I just I don't see it from Edmonton because of the depth and the goaltending issue now that Campbell's just forgotten how to stop the puck. Calgary, I think, is there. LA is almost there. They show signs. Vegas is a good team. And then Winnipeg, is Hellebuck going to continue to play this good for the whole season? Yes. Is he? He's on he's unbelievable. I think they had a great start, but they always find a way to lose. They 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 managed to pull defeat out of the jaws of victory more than any other team I know. And then Dallas. They're good. They're good. Very good. Maybe maybe they'll show me more. It's still early. I'm going to leave it at that. Well, the Jets got a big win last night, uh, three to two against Anaheim. Or sorry, yeah, against Anaheim. Uh, team Musolani. Can you night. call it a big win over the Anaheim Ducks when you only win three to two? Yeah. Anaheim well, okay. Is but, uh, so incredibly bad. They've won five games all in overtime, and you just said. The Winnipeg Jets, if you are Stanley Cup contenders, they got a big win over the Ducks 3-2, to two, Tim? I'll give you three reasons why it's a big win. First, okay. first Kyle Connor hat-trick, big okay. sign that he's going to come back and start scoring again. He's got like eight points in the last six games or something after a really slow start. So big night for him. Two, Team Mussolini night, but for both of those teams, a lot of energy in the building. And three, they scored that winning goal with less than a minute left in the game, which is why it's a mm. big win. And they stole a point from Anaheim. So, yeah. I just them. love it when you go into Anaheim and steal a point. Love that. A team that just prides itself on just solid defensive play. The team that barely gives up any goals. It, it's it's always great when you can go into Anaheim and steal a point. A team that's almost giving up four and a half goals a game, Tim. 4.3 goals a game the Anaheim Ducks give up. And you're scoring the third goal with a minute left? Oh, man. I'm sorry, everybody out there, because this is – Tim is – he started the wedding preparation a little early, I think, because it oh, – man. It's a good thing. Yeah, you got the W. Good. Hellbuck – did Hellbuck even play? Probably not, because you don't start your starter when you go into Anaheim. He did play. Hellbuck played. Gosh, they score with – 54 seconds left to eke out the game, and it's a good thing. They got the W. Good for them. All right. The Bruins can't stop winning. Beat the Philadelphia Flyers 4-1. to Did you see the interview the other day with John Tortorella was on the bench, and they were talking to him, the TNT crew. They're like, Torts, how's the game going? He's like, we suck. We got no yeah. forecheck. We suck. <laughs> Has the, the initial grace period, the – 
Though we're trying for torts the first eight, nine games. Has the new sh- smell wore off from John Tortorella and the players? Like, gosh, this sucks. Like, oh. we tried our hardest, John, but now we're just like, I'm not having fun anymore. Because all of a sudden, don't look now, the Flyers aren't winning anymore. And they're they're not playing too hard. And they're getting beat by the Bruins four to one. And Torch is starting to show signs of frustration. So can we say that the Flyers are 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 just starting to slide a little bit? The last 10, they're two, five, and three. <laughs> oh gosh, the Flyers. The they, bag skates are gonna be epic. They started the season four and one, yeah. um, losing only to Florida. And so, yeah, we were like, okay, this, we, we actually call this exactly what's going to happen. It's like, they're going to try really hard, new system, new coach, everything's exciting and shiny. And then they're going to flatline. And this is exactly what they've done. So no surprise. Oh, they're there. not, they're not, they haven't flatlined. They've, they've nosedived. <laughs> they're, they're playing terrible hockey and Torts is pulling his hair out to the point where it's a national televised game and he's doing an interview on the bench saying, yeah, we suck. <laughs> we got no forecheck, no jam in our game. We suck. <laughs> it's so great to see. But, on the other side of the page, Boston looks great. You watch this game. Tell me about it. Did was it just all Boston all the time? Um, not as much in the first period, but as the game went on, yeah, it was. They just started to pull away. It, it felt like I said this the other night. It felt like they were on the power play for bits at a time, for just long shifts. And watching guys like, not even like Pasternak and stuff, but like Pavel Zaka has brought so much to this team and the way that they move in the offensive zone and cycle and all this stuff. Charlie Coyle looks better. Jake DeBrusque looks better. Connor Clifton, who came in probably as their sixth defenseman, has worked his way into probably top three on the team. He's been playing excellent this year. So they look really good, and I just hope they keep rolling. Yeah, I think I will. They're, they're a really good team. They're a very good team. So good for the Bruins. They're now 15-2, and two, Tim. That's insane. Yeah. 15-2. Yeah. and two. Thanksgiving is approaching, and everybody always says that's the first marker of the season. If you're in a playoff position at Thanksgiving, what is it, 80 to 85% of those teams will be in a playoff position by the end of the season. So coaches are aware of it. Players are aware of it. Everyone's trying to jockey themselves for the end of November to try to put themselves in a good position for the stretch run there. Bruins, gosh, they, they've lost two games. It's unbelievable. Their offense is clicking. Their defense is strong. Everything's going right. Their guys are getting healthy a month before the scheduled time. Good for them. I'm happy for him. How's Krejci doing? I haven't really seen too much from him. Is he is he producing? Yeah, he scored last night actually, and that was kind of one of the big storylines because he's been okay. He's been pretty good. He, he he adds a lot of stability to that top six, but he hasn't produced a ton. So him scoring last night was really good. That's good. All right, Tim, we're going to do a little buy and sell here. Buy and sell. We're going to give you a couple options. Let's start off with. Well, gosh, we got to stop talking about these guys, the New Jersey Devils. Are you buying or selling them as a top five team in the league? Right now, they sit second behind the Bruins, who we just mentioned have 30 points. They have 28 points in 17 games. Do you buy or sell them as a top five team when there's been 82 games played, Tim? I say yes, I'm buying that. Yep. Yep. It's the it's the confidence and the swagger. It's the the skill, the depth. I know that on paper they don't look as good as some of these other teams, but winning eleven in a row is no joke. Not a lot of teams have done that. So yeah, I'm buying them as a top five team. I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna lose some games, and they'll probably won't finish as number two. But I think they're I think they're every bit as legit as they seem. Gosh, yeah, it's it's hard not to buy this the way they've started. There's almost already been twenty games, so we're almost a quarter way through the season. Usually you so show signs of, you know what, this was just a little blip on the radar. We go back to the team we were last year. This is a legit team. We've been talking about them for the last week and a half, two weeks, so I'll, I'll buy this as well. I don't think it'll be second, like you said, but it'll be third, fourth. They're a very good team, and they've proven it against some very good competition, night in and night out. All right. Another one, Tim. The Central Division. Right now, the Dallas Stars are leading the Central Division. Do you buy them? At the end of the season, holding that spot, number one spot, over the Winnipeg Jets, who you love so much, who just like dominated the Anaheim Ducks by scoring in the last minute of the game to win the game. Do you buy the Stars holding their spot for the rest of the season? I like the Stars. I like Ottinger. I love Pavelski. Jason Robertson's having a stellar season. But no, I don't buy them being the best team in the Central. I think probably Colorado ends up there. 
um, by the end of the season. It's really tight right now, but no, I'm I'm going to sell this. All right, I, I'm going to buy this. I, I like the Dallas Stars. I like what they did this offseason. This was a signing that was kind of nobody talked about. Mason Marchman played for the Florida Panthers last year. Maybe got overshadowed because of how well the whole team did as a whole with points and record goals, and they were just on fire. He's not having a great season so far. He's got 5-5, 10-17 games. But what he has done, he has given them a little bit of depth. He's given them the ability to bump Jamie Benn down to the third line, solidify that third line. Now, all of a sudden, what last year was just a a top-heavy team with Robertson, Rupe Hintz, and Joe Pavelski on that first line and nothing afterwards, all of a sudden they have some semblance of, you know what, we got a little bit of offense on every single line. They got Joel Kvervrandarunta on the fourth line. He's okay. Luke Glendening, he's been around the block for a few years now. So I I like their depth on the forward group, and Mason Marchman gives them that. Everybody knows how great their defense is. Ryan Suter, Miro Heiskanen, they are as good as they get for a one-two. So I'm buying. I think Colorado's lost a step. They were dealing with injuries. They had some players leave last year. Obviously, they had Nazim Kadri leave. They had Burakovsky take off for Seattle, so they're not the same team. And I don't know who else. They, it's Winnipeg going to take Dallas off? If anything, I think Winnipeg's played their best hockey, and they're going to start to slow down a little bit. So I like the Dallas Stars. I'm buying this. I really am. The Stars, I don't think they're Stanley Cup contenders yet. By any means, maybe they make a couple more moves and they can jump up into that top, top tier of three, four teams that I think are vying for the cup. But right now, I like it. I like what they're doing. Friend of the show, Joe Pavelski. He said, well, he didn't say this, but I would imagine if he wins the cup, we'll be the first interview. All right. Another one, Tim. The Pittsburgh Penguins. They've made the playoffs for an NHL record 23 straight years. You just made that up. Don't fact check that. They've made the playoffs a lot for a lot of years. Have, has Sidney Crosby ever not made the playoffs? I'm sure. It's maybe his first well, year? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That is a good question. I wish we could find that out. Is there a way, is there a way on the internet to ter- type something in and get an answer real quick while I stall? I don't think so. I don't think there's any uh, way. I wish there was. Happen. If you're listening, someone work on that if you're good with computers. Here's the question. Are the Pittsburgh Penguins a non-playoff team right this year? Because right now they're sitting outside the playoffs. They're on the outside yeah. looking in their, their fifth place in the Metro. What is it, Tim? I have it in front of me. It's 16 oh, straight you... seasons. He's never missed a playoff, Sidney Crosby. Last missed 05-06. He was drafted, what, 05, right? I don't know his draft year. What what do I look like? Sidney Crosby's agent? Uh-huh. Yeah. How do I know well, his draft I would year? say no. So okay, going back to the question, are the Penguins going to make the playoffs? I'm going to say no. So I'm buying them as a non-playoff team. Nah, they're going to make it. I'm selling. Who are they kicking out? The Islanders. Okay. Yeah, I think it's Devils, Hurricanes, Rangers, Penguins, Bruins, Leafs, Panthers, Red Wings. Sorry, Tampa Bay. No Sorry, Tampa. Islanders. Yeah, wow. I said that. Remember that lady got mad at me because I said it? Friend of the yeah. show, whatever her name is, Martha. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Yeah, I got to stand by my my prediction. <laughs> Tampa's been playing great, too. I think they won like seven of their last ten, so they've been just on fire. Because they listen to the show, friend of the show, Victor Hedman. He listens religiously. The guy loves the show. Shout out to him. But yeah, I do think the Penguins will make the playoffs this year for 17 years in a row. And here's my favorite one. By yourself. The Washington Capitals finish with a losing record this season. So that means they are under 500. Right now, they are exactly 500. They're 7-7-3. Seven, seven, and three. No. no. Well, they're 7-9-3. Seven, seven, so they do have a losing record. What a bunch of losers. Um, do they finish the season under 500, Tim? I'm buying you gotta that. Buy, you got to buy that. I'm buying oh, that. Baby, I'm buying, buying that Buying in bulk. I'm buying. I'm going to Costco on the cap sucking this year. <laughs> they are. They're going to lose a lot. All right. Here's another buy or sell. Another losing one. I feel bad talking about the losing ones, but you have to. Those Ottawa Senators, after the offseason that they had, getting everybody and their brother 
getting Claude Giroux, getting Alex to it, getting people to sign team-friendly deals, all the just fantastic offseason for the Ottawa Senators. Cam Talbot, too. Cam Talbot. After all that, do they finish as a bottom five team in the NHL? Tim, buy or I'm sell. Gonna, I'm going to sell that. They are bottom five right now. I think the Sharks and even maybe the Sabres will, in Chicago will all dip below Ottawa. So I would say they're not a great team, but they're not bottom five. Bottom 10? Yeah, I'll buy that. I think they finish middle of the pack. Fifth, so I don't even think they're a bottom 10 team. They have to start playing better. <laughs> they're just, they've been playing so bad. The reason I think they're going to start playing better, out of all the teams in the bottom half of the league, the bottom fifth team we call them, Anaheim, Vancouver, Columbus, Arizona, blah, 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 all the way up to Philadelphia, Montreal, whatever. The goal differential for every team, everybody's underwater except for the Ottawa Senators. So when they lose, they lose, it's close. When they win, they win, it's close. So they're they're in every single game. I do think they will start to play better and eke out more one goal wins than they're losing right now. So, like, they've lost two. They've won two of their last 10. And they've all been pretty competitive games for the most part. They will start to get a little bit of puck luck, as people start to say, and they will start to string together some wins. You know, Cam Talbot's going to be back, or he is back. It, they'll win. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they'll they'll win enough just to get a middle-of-the-road draft pick to not help their team for the next year, which is ever, which is what you want. Which is what you want. All right, Tim, you put this one on here. You're such a homer. Linus Allmark for a Vesna candidate. Not a Vesna winner. Now, there's three candidates every single year the last time I checked. Is Linus Allmark at the end of the season in the three for the Vesna trophy? This one, I'm, I go back and forth on. I'm probably going to sell. I'm probably going to say no. <sighs> Tim. If the season ends now, I think the three candidates are him, Hellebuck, and probably Logan Thompson. Um, but, gosh, he's playing so well. His numbers are incredible. He's by far the best goalie so far this year. I don't know. He's just – there's so many good goalies. Don't you think like a Sorokin and Shesterkin and some of those guys would start to climb Ottinger? That's who you'd expect the top three to be. So, I don't know. I'm going to sell. Uh, I'm going to buy this. I, I think the Bruins play a good defensive game. I think he's he's proven he he's up to the task. He's leading the league in goals against, leading the league in save percentage. That's a, Connor Hellebuck's leading the league in shutouts. He only has two. What a joke! But yeah, I, I'm going to buy. As the only caveat is, he needs to keep getting the net. I think the Bruins want to work Swayman in more because they like that one-two punch and maybe give Allmark a break because they want to keep him fresh for the playoffs. He's played for the Sabers before the Bruins for the last four years. I don't think he's played playoff hockey in a long time. So maybe they they try to keep him fresh for the playoffs, but I'm buying. I like myself some Linus Allmark. He was good in Buffalo. I remember when he signed with the Bruins, everybody was giving him a hard time. Everybody we talked to in Buffalo, every single person said he's an amazing goaltender. If we didn't have him for the last three or four years, it would have been a just atrocious team. He kept us in games we had no business being in. So he's proving how good he is with a good hockey team. And he's, he's playing great. He's playing really, really good. All right. Eric Carlson is a point-per-game player. Buy or sell. So that would be 82 points, Tim. I'll buy that. I'll buy. Yeah, all day. He's got 28 points. I think he's only played 18 games. All day. All day. All right. Buy or sell. Another, gosh, I love this guy. <laughs> Your face just you, lit up reading this Do you name. put him on the agenda just to make me happy? Because it works. All right. Right now, Tage Thompson for the Buffalo Sabres. Buy or sell. Top five in goals at the end of the season. So he's number three right now. Ty was number three right now, sitting with 12. Yeah. Um, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. Unfortunately, I'm selling as well. Why are you selling? I just think the career averages will level out at some point. There's a lot of guys. It's so tight right now. Like Jack Eichel scores a hat trick tomorrow night and he passes Tage Thompson. Like that's how, that's how close all this is. So I think you probably most likely see the, the Rantanen, Suzuki, Eichel, those guys pass him throughout the season. No, it's super tight. You know, Stamco scores seven goals tomorrow. He's leading the league. So it's very tight. <laughs> I love how you do that. <laughs> well, I'm saying Eichel is 10th in goals, and the difference between 10th and third is two goals. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's there's very- a lot of guys bunched up at 10, 11, 12. 
gosh, if I sign a contract tomorrow, score 12 goals in three games, I'm, I'm right in the mix. So <laughs> it's just so funny. My brother, um, you know, he's young for his age. He's not <laughs> immature. He's just young for his age. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, to answer your question, I'm going to sell this as well. I, I think it's a good story early on. He's playing great. I think he finishes with 30, 35. I don't see him in the upper echelon itching 50. I think once the season progresses, the cream will rise to the top. Matthews isn't up there. Drying Seinel is not in the top five. Pasternak will be up in the mix. These guys will start to score more goals. Kaprizov is still, you know, he's there. He's got 10, but he hasn't hit his stride yet. So I think everything will level out. The guys will start scoring goals. who usually score goals. Bo Horvat will fall. Tage Thompson will fall. Eric Carlson will fall. Eric Carlson's fifth in goals right now. He'll fall a little bit, and everything will level out. Nick Suzuki, I don't think, will continue to score at the pace he's scoring at. But, yeah, Tage Thompson. I might get a, I might get a tattoo of Tage Thompson right on my back. Just a nice back piece. It's a picture of him. Oh, what a hockey player. All right, buy or sell. My preseason bold prediction of winning the MVP and all the Rocket Richard points and everything, Jonathan Huberdeau, he's on pace for 60 points, Tim. He's on the third line. <laughs> he's not a great start for him in Calgary. Buy or sell 60-plus points for Jonathan Huberdeau. I'm buying this pace. I don't think I don't see anything from watching their games thinking he's going to – Obviously, he's an elite player. He's he's better than this. But this year, things are just not coming his way. I don't know if it's a situational thing, a line mate chemistry thing. Is he unhappy with a new city or team, whatever, the coach? He actually, did he, he did he see his comment about uh, he got asked about Sutter asking where he went the time he, quote unquote, took a dump when he left the bench. And he's like, yeah, that's not what happened. And you can ask him, like, whatever. I don't care what he says. That's not what I did. I was doing something else or something like that. And so... Maybe there's something between the two of them. I don't know, but I'm I'm buying this pace. I don't think he's going to have a great year. I'll tell you what, it's got to be a culture shock to go from the Florida Panthers playing for Andrew Burnett, who their style was let's get the puck and go as fast as we can and score as many goals as we can and run like run it up. Let's try to put a touchdown on the board every single game. To go from that to a Daryl Sutter coach team where everything you do is under his thumb and he has a say in everything you do on every inch of that ice. There's no creativity really allowed in his offense. It's structured. There's a point you have to be at this point at this time when it's this situation. So it's a culture shock. He's been, he was in Florida for a long time to come to a Calgary team that, you know, it's, it's Daryl Sutter's team. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. That, That's his team. Whereas in Florida, it was the player's team. It was Barkov. It was Huberto. It was Ekblad's. It was their team. It wasn't Andrew Burnett's team in Florida. This is Daryl Sutter's team. And maybe he's having a hard time adjusting. He's ninth on the team. He's only got two goals, six of six. Six assists. So, I don't know. I, he's got eight points, Tim, in 13 games. That's not good. That's not good for a guy who's going to be making eight schmill next year. So, I hope he, he turns the corner. I, I say he hits 65. He has to catch fire. He will be elevated up to Lindholm's line eventually, and he's just going to take off. So, yes, I think I'm selling this because he will get over 60 points. He's not getting 130 that I thought he was going to get. DoorDash. DoorDash. I love him. You love him. Jonathan Hooper. I love him. Tim loves him. Everybody loves DoorDash. Use him. Use our promo code GLOVESDD. And if you're in Canada, Gloves DD US, if you're in the US of A, get yourself a deal, get yourself some food, get yourself some DoorDash. Gotta love it. All right, Tim. Didn't 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 hit my parley last night. Not happy. Me neither. I like I like this bet US though. It's fun. It really is. And you nailed it when you said you were losing because there's always tomorrow. There's always tonight. I'm very excited. There aren't a lot of games tonight. Only but one. There are games. There are there's only one. Only I thought one. there was two. Oh, man. All right. Who is it? L.A., Vancouver? Yep. Who are you taking with these two juggernauts? Man, what a game. Is it sold out? Should, could we get tickets still? I'm sure we could. It's in Vancouver. Um, I'm just going to go with the over and keep it simple. Last night, I had a good chunk of change on the line. and pretty. It's funny how like you pick the over, right? And then it's like a two-to-one game. And it seems so obvious in retrospect. It's like... 
oh, obviously there's going to be three total goals. Why would I think anything otherwise? Like, what a moron I am. And then you get it right. You're like, okay, this is the most obvious thing in history. I'm a genius. It's so frustrating, but it is fun. It is a lot of fun. So I'm picking the over for tonight. What's the old adage, Tim? Hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, if I were really uh, into gambling, I would look at which goalie's starting, things like that. You know, how how teams have been the last couple weeks if they're scoring. Because uh, I just go by gut. I'm like, ah, L.A. Kings, Vancouver Canucks. And I just revert back to when I played, which was a million years ago. I'm like, oh, they're a pretty, pretty good team there. Uh, Roberto Longo is going to play uh, Johnny Quick. It's going to be a great game. I'm going to just bet everything. I'm just going to bet. The goal differential, the money line, the over-under, and I'm just going to pick the LA Kings across the board. I think the Canucks are a complete mess, disaster right now. As bad as the LA Kings are, the Canucks are way, way worse. So I'm going puck line for the Kings. They're good. They're not great. They're better than the Canucks. I'm going across the board. Kings, even up, money line, puck line, and over six and a half goals. And I'm going to parlay all three. <laughs> so I'm going Kings heavy tonight. So hopefully the Kings can pull it together, get a win. Hopefully the Canucks continue to struggle. And my Thatcher Demko, who I drafted my fantasy team, continues to just lay an egg. Because I need it tonight. I need to get I need to get that good feelies. I'll, I'll have like 10 bets and I'll win seven of them. So I win a little bit. But I want the, I want the home run. You know what I mean? I want the home run. Some other good news. My Buffalo Bills. They're playing the Cleveland Browns this weekend. The game got snowed out in Buffalo, Tim. It has moved to Ford Field in Detroit. They haven't released the tickets yet. So I might miss the Monday show because I'm going to try my darndest to get a ticket for that football game. I haven't seen the Bills play ever. So I'm gonna, I am gonna. want to try to get a ticket to the uh, the game at Ford Field because I would imagine it's not going to be sold out that fast. Like It's Friday, and they haven't even opened up ticket sales yet. Would you get one ticket for yourself or what? Or yeah. find a buddy? I don't have anybody's. I would yeah, get one. Me, man. Are you want do you want to drive to Florida or uh Detroit? No. But thank you for asking. Oh, you're in Boston for your brother's wedding. Yeah, I fly home Sunday night to Charlotte. Over under you cry during the ceremony. <laughs> under. Over under you cry during your speech. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. I promised myself I wouldn't. What if it's tears of like I want to get married and it's really impacting me. <laughs> no, it's a celebration. Not about me. All right. Let's do some quick hits here. LA Kings got the most goals against in the league. Fifth. They're plus minus fifth, most goals against They're plus minus it. Even they're second in the Pacific. Something's got to give. They give up a ton of goals and they're plus minus it. Even so they score a ton of goals. What, what gives, do they start playing better defense or there's an defense fault defense uh, offense fault. There's a little bit, Tim. I think it was just mostly pointing out that even though they've allowed the fifth most goals against in the entire league and they're not a plus as a team, they're still second in that division, which goes to show. Is it indicative of how garbage that division is? That garbage Pacific division. Speaking of, Shane Wright was scratched again last night for the fourth straight game in eight of the last 10. This is the fourth overall pick. He's 19 years old, I think. He might be 18. I think he's 19, but... How do you, what do you do with this kid? You send him down. I saw this in Buffalo many times with their young guys. They ruin guys by toying with them, thinking that they're going to stay up with the big club and just, oh, we'll work you work with you in practice. It'll be great. We'll, we'll, we'll coach you up. You can just watch this here. It's not like a backup quarterback where you can infuse knowledge and be around the starter and this and that. They are ruining this kid. His confidence is shot. He's getting frustrated. He wants to play. You can tell he has somewhat of an attitude based on the draft when he fell. He was staring down Montreal. I'm a big, tough guy. It's like, no. Know your place. Just suck it up and be humble, and you'll succeed. But no, they got to send him back down to juniors. You you can't keep him up there and ruin his his career, basically. This happened to Mikhail Grigorenko in Buffalo. Almost happened to Zadorov. Almost happened to Ristolainen. You push him, you rush him, then you have the kid take him out of the lineup because he's not ready yet. Unless you can put him in a first line role where he will succeed, there's no, he has no business being on the fourth line. He's not a fourth line guy. It's going to ruin his career. He's just going to go out there and get ran through the boards by fourth line players. Shane Wright is a high end offensive player. Put him on the first line or send him back to juniors where he can light it up, go to the world juniors, gain confidence, get stronger. 
increase that massive boulder on his shoulder that he talked about. He's going to prove everybody wrong and just let him try again next year. But yeah, get rid of him. What? Like he's a healthy scratch. Just send him down. I don't understand GMs. It's like, what good is this doing for his development and your team? It's just creating controversy there in Seattle. Where there, it doesn't have to be. They're having a decent season. Send him down. All right. What else we got? Tim? Two more. Yeah, a couple of uh, messages I wanted to share. The first one was a question from our listener named Colin, who was asking about, wanted to get your take on this. He goes, hey, guys, I know I'm uh, a little bit of a dinosaur, but I thought the shootout was intended to simulate a hockey play, a breakaway, not a skills competition. What are your thoughts on adding a back checker who starts maybe at the blue line and tries to chase him down and break up the play to get that closer to a real hockey scenario? Is it like, does that make it a hockey scenario? I, I think we get rid of the whole thing. I, I don't like it either anymore. It, it was a good novelty at first, but I think people have taken advantage of the shootout a little bit where they're just slowing down. It's become almost a circus to where players just go way too slow. Like you said, a back checker would make it more game like where it would be like a breakaway where you have to really skate as hard as you can, make a move or shoot. And it gives the goaltender a little bit better of a chance to make a save. But right now it's just like these guys that dipsy doodling like a big snake from the red line to the blue line. They're touching, they're going boards to boards. It's just, it's too much. So I think you get rid of it altogether or instead of a shootout, just let's do fights. Each team picks their (laughs) toughest guy and they go to the, they go to the center dot and they fight and whoever wins the fight wins the game. Fighting's a part of hockey. Why not see who the fastest skater is? See who's got, you know, who can, well, what, are, what is another hockey skill that we could do? And just not just scoring goals. It just don't. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I'm a dinosaur too. I don't like it anymore. I used to, there was a time I thought it was fun. Now it's just like, it's not even a shootout anymore. It's just a guy going in and stick handling as much as he can and waiting for the goaltender to bite one way or another and just flipping it over his pad. So, it is. It's a fun idea, especially like okay, you know, if who's your who do you pick as your back checker? Do you pick a defenseman or you pick a faster guy who's most likely to mess something up? But honestly, despite in addition to everything you said, it's also an injury waiting to happen. It's like guys going full speed again with each other into toward the net. There's going to be a collision. Someone's going to slide into the boards. Um. So yeah, I get that. And then the second one, this is a little cool piece of trivia shared by another listener named Sam. And I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Since 2000, so the 21st century, which franchise, I'll give you three guesses, has won the most regular season games? Hmm. Since 2000, so 22 years, the mo- it's got to be the Capitals or the Penguins. It's the Caps. Yeah, first yeah. guess. They, uh, there have been six teams that have won two or more cuffs. They've only won one, obviously, but they've won 910 games, and I think they've lost like five, five something. So, the incredible record. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they're they were unbelievable. Well, they were the definition of just a choke artist, the Washington Capitals, for years, where they would win the President's Trophy, so incredibly dominant in the regular season, then they would just choke in the playoffs, and that happened for almost a decade, and then finally they. Shook that monkey off the back. I didn't realize Stevie Eiserman didn't win a Stanley Cup until he was well into, like, he was 30 when he won a Stanley Cup. So he had a decade plus of being a captain of the Red Wings and not winning anything. Then he finally won a cup his last few years in his in his career. So, yeah. Capitals. I'm so good at trivia. Ugh. And I'm humble. I'm, the, I'm just unbelievable. I am. It's really it's scary. It's scary, the talents that I have. Untapped. Untapped. All right, Tim. You not, got a tuxedo? Not responding Tuxedo to ready to go? Yeah. Yep. We have a tux. I'm excited. Did you have a It'll date for the wedding? I got a plus one, but I didn't bring anybody. Because you're in it. You know what I mean? Like, What it, does that mean? Hold on. I got a plus one, but I didn't bring anybody. What does that mean? I was invited to bring a plus one in my invitation. but Is I that a big deal if you're if you're allowed to have a plus one? Yeah, it is now. It is because like you can't just bring someone, bring a date unless you're unless you get a plus one in your invitation because they have to calculate like the the meals and the seating and all that. So. So you would send out an invitation to one of your friends and say your girlfriend can't come. No plus one allowed. A lot of people get pretty strict with that. Like unless you've been dating a certain amount of time or you're married, like you don't get to bring 
someone you've been dating for three months to the wedding. But you can. Well, he's my brother, so I got a plus one. But I didn't That's bring anybody. You're flexing. Go get someone in Boston. You probably got a lot of girls who would love to go to the wedding with you. That's a fact, but but also, <laughs> but also, like, yeah, I'm going to be in the wedding. I'm going to be running around doing pictures, giving speeches. It'll be. It wouldn't be fun for someone. They'd be by themselves most of the night. Just watching you up there in your glory. Oh, Tim, you're so handsome. All right, well, have a good time. That'll be fun. Let me. Everyone's excited to hear how it is on Monday. Where or should we wait till Tuesday? I'll be ready Monday if uh, unless you're at the Bills game. It's a Sunday game, so I'm not going to be at the game on Monday. You said five minutes ago, maybe we won't record on Monday if I go to this game. I did say that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll play it by ear. There's a, there's a 90% chance I don't go and my wife says I'm not allowed to go. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to try to be really good today and tomorrow. And then buy tickets. Hopefully they're a good price. What's a good price for a football ticket? $100? bucks, 150 200 yeah, something like that. I don't. I'm not interested in going to NFL games. Money's not an object to you. You're just <laughs> yeah. so perfect. I'm with you. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. Be thinking of Tim at the wedding. Just looking all fly in a suit. We'll talk to you all next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.